get to know a new name. But I will tell you, I, I like to get to know more than just a name. And I don't know if that's you at all, and, and we're all different. I, we're cut out of different, I understand that. Some of us, that would be like the most <laughs> paralyzing thing in the whole world to even think that you might have to do that. So I'm not saying you have to do that, I'm just saying that's who I am. But I like to know, I like to know what's going on in your life. I like to know what's, what's exciting. I like to know what, what, I like to know what motivates you. I like to know what presses you on in life, what the thing that gets you up in the morning. I want to know that kind of stuff about your life. And one of the most devastating things that happens when I ask that question is some of the responses that I get. And if you've ever done this, you've experienced some of this too, stuff too. I'll hear stuff like, well, I'm here. I'm just, is, is that all? Because I'm just if that was it, I, I probably wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here in this room today. I would still be here. I just wouldn't be here in this room. Or I've heard this one too, and I hear this one more and more and more. At least I'm not six feet under. And I'm sitting here thinking the whole time, is that the best you've got? Is that the best you've got? Because I just gotta, I've got to tell you, and this is for every single one of us in this room, I promise you this, God's got something better for you. God's got something bigger for you. God's got, he's got a personal will for you. You're going to see that as we walk through this morning. A simple title message, Today and Forever. And, and here's the basis of all this. The today and the forever is this. We're supposed to be looking at forever because this world's not our home. We sang the song forever, but I wonder if we've realized it sometimes that this world's not our home. This is like a, and we'll read this in a minute even, it's like a fog. It's here for a second. As soon as the sun comes up, it's gone. And now, thank you, Alabama, since we've changed our time, we will get to see that when we go to work in the morning. The fog will be there, and before we get there, the fog will be burned off. That's the way the Bible describes the quickness of the life that we live. We think we've just got forever and ever here on earth, but no, we've got this little blink on this earth that God has called us to do more than stay six feet above or making it. He's got something bigger for you. He's got something bigger for me. And I want us to understand what the today is and the forever that he's created for us to live in. And so, uh, you know, I think about those answers. It hurts my heart to hear those. Can you imagine being the one that created you? And you're saying that about your life? That kind of messes with my mind that, that we do that. So today our big question is, what if, what if we know God's will? And for whatever reason, we're just choosing not to do it. Because I think if we ask the question all over this place, I think we discover really, really quickly this. Most of us know something about God's will. But even in knowing something about God's will, most of us are refusing or choosing not to do that will. Are you tracking with me? It's not comfortable, but if you want to learn how to make a decision from, a, from, a, from, a, from the viewpoint of God himself, 
I'm going to literally share with you what the Bible says and how are some very practical ways to make this happen, okay? So if you got something to write on, something to write with, uh, if you don't, maybe you can put it on your phone or something, or you can go back and watch the recording later or something like that, but I hope that you'll make some notes here because I think they'll help you. Um, and thanks, Alan, for helping me out here. You know, this is actually the perfect week for this. We came in and, and we just had... Uh, Glenn and my awesome daughter Briley up here on the stage because we have, uh, one, we had a challenge getting, uh, we've got 27 leaders or something on our worship team, and it just so happened that the right combinations didn't work today, so, uh, and many of them were out of town, several of them are in Shaco right now, and we get that, but there's also a great time to scale back and just get down to the music, and I think we got to do that this morning, and I love it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all so much. So if you haven't been with us, and I know that we do have some new folks with us today, and I'm glad. I hope God speaks, praying that God speaks to you in a special way. There is this very specific theme throughout the book of James that we've been studying through for like the last five to six weeks. And we're just a week or two from being done with this, but uh, really kind of in two sentences you can put the whole thing. Uh, and he says this, you got, you got to know the right thing to do. You've got to know the right thing to do. Where do we find the right thing to do? His word. That's where we can know to find the right thing to do. And then the second one, and James says this literally about twice in every single chapter, sometimes three in every single chapter. And he says this, you got to start doing the right thing. You got to know the right thing to do. And then you got to start doing the right thing. It begins here with us today. And if you've got your Bibles, I hope that you'll jump right in with me. James chapter 4 and verse 13. James chapter 4 and verse 13. If some of you are a little bit disappointed because we're not going to verses 11 and 12 right now, don't worry. We're going to revisit it in a week or two, okay? It just didn't fit with this. So James chapter 4 and verse 13 says this. Look, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there for a year we will do business and we'll do business there and make a profit today or tomorrow we are going to do this this is our plan so according to James who's making the call on what they are going to do well he's talking to followers of Jesus and they are making their own plans they got their will <laughs> They got their plan. They got their thing that they want to do. They've got their thing. And here's the deal. We are those people as well. So many of you in this room would say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. However, when it comes to his will, guess what we're not doing? Following his will. Do you see the problem? We're like, man, this book is so practical. It is so painful. They are making the call. They're not letting God make it. I see at least three different things that we need to know about today and forever when it comes to making decisions. The first one is this. It's the illusion of thinking that we are in control. Now let that soak in for a second. The illusion of thinking that we are in control. If you think that you're in control, what about those three funerals you went to last month? And some of those people were in their 50s and some were in their 30s and yeah, one was in their 80s. If you think you are in control, you are you're very mistaken. Who's in charge of your life? What are, what are your decisions that you are making right now? What are, what are those decisions based on? 
How are you making the decisions that you're making? Does it even enter your mind to ask God what he wants from you? Because if we're going to claim to be a follower of Christ, guess what we need to do? You can say it. Follow. Yeah, that just it's crazy, isn't it? So if you are calling the shots, if this is you, and if it's me, if, if I'm calling the shots, James is saying that's got to stop. Because that's sin. When we choose to do things our own way rather than following the will of God. One of the other things that I see in this is we assume on God. Uh, we assume that, that we will always just naturally want what he wants. And that he will want what we just already were deciding we were going to do. And that he will just go ahead and move in that direction because that's what we wanted. And it's completely backwards. Do we really want to know what his will is for us? Realities of God's will. God's will will be done. In you, through you, around you, without you, his will will be done. He is all powerful. He has, he has the plan because he's the creator. He has the plan because he made the way for us to actually become a follower of his. He made that. He created that. His ways are higher than our ways in ways that we can't even often understand. And sometimes we just have to accept because we don't get it. We don't understand it all, and we may not, and that's okay, but he's got it. James chapter 4 and verse 14 says it like this. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like, there it is, the morning fog. It is here for a little while, then it's gone. I can't tell you how bad I want to pull out one of our old fog machines and just put a puff out here and come here, and then like all of a sudden it was gone. But if I remember right, sometimes it would hang around for like a long time, and it would be a terrible illustration at that point. But here's the second one. The delusion of believing that we know what will happen. We know what tomorrow will bring, the delusion. So there's the illusion of thinking we're in control, and then there's the delusion believing that we know what tomorrow will bring. We're delusional about it. It, it messes with my mind thinking about what I've done with this. Life is uncertain. Life is uncertain for us. But life is not uncertain for God. He knows every tick on the clock. He knew where you'd choose to sit this morning. He knew that you'd choose to be here this morning. He knew you'd be watching online this morning. He knew that. He knew that. Because he can read the paper ahead of time. He, 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 he's all-knowing. We don't know and we can't know how long we've got. But we do know, at least if we open our eyes and we pay just a little bit of attention, we can know that it can change can change in a second it can change in a second life is short think about how we celebrate life we celebrate birthdays by the what by the year we celebrate birthdays by the year what does the lord tell us how does he tell us to handle those days in psalm 90 he says that we are to number our year days we're to number our days, not our years. We're to number our days. 
We are wise to plan. But clearly God has called us to live one day at a time. Even every moment seeking him, every moment. Uh, the moments matter. The older you get, the more you'll get this. I think about our kids. They're only held for a second. It really is. I mean, some of you in here, I just brought you to tears because you just realized what happened. And then we want them to walk so bad. And then they're walking away. We want them to talk. Maybe the biggest thing there, sometimes they won't shut up. I don't know. But, you know, we, we, want, we want all these things to happen, but it happens so quickly. Suddenly they're gone. Probably no heathens in here as strong as me, but one of the songs that caught my attention over the last couple of years is a song by Kenny Chesney that says, Don't Blink. So much biblical truth in that silly country song. Don't blink, it's how fast it happens. I'm sitting here looking at some of you in the room that are relatively close to my age, and I've watched you, and suddenly none of our kids live with us anymore. And a lot of them are married, and some of you are my age, and you've got grandkids now. Where? Did, how? Our kids were playing in the nursery together just a couple of years ago, but that has happened. It's true. Every second matters. Life is short. And the fact that some of us just think about it, think about it like this. Some of us spend it. We just spend it. We spend our life. And even worse, like some of those people that responded to me in those questions that I asked, they waste it. They waste the moments that God has given us. What if? You and I made the choice this day that we're not going to just spend it and we're certainly not going to waste it, but we're going to make the call this day to invest those moments for eternity. I'm going to tell you one of the coolest stories I've heard in a long time, but I'm going to wait to the very end of the message because you've got to hear what happened when somebody chose not to waste, but to invest the, the minutes, the days, the opportunities, the seconds that they get. Living in the now matters so much. And who you, whom you live for, what you live for, it's everything. It's why some of us in this room say we're living, but we feel so unfulfilled. Because we're trying to do something on our own and we haven't put out what matters the most. Our creator has the privilege and the right to expect us to live the way that he created us to. He's got the right. He's my authority. He's your authority according to his word. But doing this requires something of us. We have to do what we talked about last week. We talked about the word surrender. We surrender our will to his will. We give it up. We give in to him. James chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says it like this. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. And look at that. And all such boasting is evil. When we choose to do it our own way, when we brag about what we are going to do and our way and our plans, he says it's evil. Number three on your outline, the last thing here, the conclusion is that our best choice is to do God's choice. 
Our best decision is to go with his choice. God alone holds the future of our hands. Most of us know this. It's so, so clear in his word. You probably memorize this if you've been in church for any length of time at all. You've seen Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you. Did you hear that? It's the plans that he has for us. That's what we're supposed to be living. We talk about this one frequently too in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Look at that. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He planned for us. He planned for, not I planned for me. He planned for us. He planned for you. That is the calling on our lives that we are supposed to be living. For some of us in this room, it's kind of uh, eye-opening to realize that God does have an individual plan for us, a unique plan for us that may make the people around us say, why? Why would you do this? Why would you go that way? Why would you live that way? Why would you give that away? Why would you love that person? For I know the plans for you, declares the Lord. For I know the plans for you. He's got a plan for every one of his followers. Literally, you were born for this. It's why you were created. He knows what he has planned and when he even planned it for you. He knows the days, the structure, the time, the moments. He knows, he knows what's coming when you walk out of this place in, in 20 minutes or in an hour. He knows what, what your plan is for the afternoon. He knows what his plan is for you for the afternoon. And it is for your best. God's will is best. It may not be easy, it may not be comfortable, but it is right and it is good. And the problem comes with this. The problem comes when we keep making plans for our future without recognizing that we are completely dependent on God. When we think we've got this and we just say at the back of our mind, I've got this, I can do this, I can fix this, I can make this work. And he said, will you trust me with this? And this is so sad. We know so often, and we've read it so often, we know what God's will is. But just like some of the believers that James is talking to, we choose to make the choice to do what we want and to disobey God. What makes us do this? What makes us think that we can, that we can handle this? And I, I, Here's just a real short list of things that make us do this. The first one is pride. Just the simple thing that we can do this, that, that I have what it takes to do this. We think we know better. Pride's a problem. Pride is usually the start of almost every sin. Pride is the sin from Satan. And it's at the foundation of sin. Some of us consciously ignore God's will. It's why we don't read his word on a daily basis. It's why we don't go to it when we've got a struggle with our life and we don't know what the answer is. We don't go there. You know why we don't go there? Because we think we might read or might hear or might learn something that we don't want to learn, and it will affect our will. Because if we read his will, guess what we are accountable for? What we know. We don't really get, just another thought, we don't really get the nature of God's will. 
When God says he wills something for us or he desires something for us, it's not an option statement. Yes, I will. No, I won't. It's a command. When he wills something for us, that's something we are supposed to do. It's not a but God. We think that our way will bring us more joy. And if we're 100% honest with each other in this room, the reality is, is, you know what? It might be fun for a moment just to do it our way. But the thing I can learn over and over again, and you can watch all the entertainment news you want to on TV, and you can watch how it ends. They're still looking for something. Doesn't matter how much you get. Doesn't matter how big your name gets. Doesn't matter how big the house or how fancy the cars or how much in the count. It doesn't last. But then we totally miss that there are heavenly rewards for being obedient to what God calls us to do. But yet we choose our own way. Don't ignore God's will. When we ignore God's will, we, we, we fail to do His will. And failing to do His will is sin. And we just don't think that's a big deal. When we know God's will and we don't know it, know it and don't do it, it's sin. So what about the Holy Spirit and all this? Some of us in this room have known for a long time that God had something special, unique, unusual, some kind of calling on our life that he wanted us to do. It might be just simple as reaching out to someone. It might be helping someone who's hurting. It might be teaching something like of God's word. And some, whether it's children or youth or adults or just your peers, And we've heard the Holy Spirit. We sense the Holy Spirit, but yet we said no. Shane Pruitt is a well-known pastor uh, in the South and a young guy, but man, he puts out some great, great talks. He, he said this the other day. He said, why are people not surrendering to the call of ministry and pursuing it? The Lord hasn't stopped calling people into ministry leadership. As leaders in local churches, we've stopped asking people to consider God's if God is calling them to it. What if, crazy as it seems, as you, you came into a place this morning to hear a message to help you feel good, understand God's word, and see what's next in your life, and you realize that for years you've been denying that God had a call on your life, and you just were saying no. What if that's the reason that we've got several churches in Limestone County that don't have pastors or don't have worship leaders or don't have student pastors or don't have children's pastors? Because we've got great leaders here and they're saying no to what God wants them to do. I think it's happening all over the United States. We're just saying no. We're saying no to him in so many things. We're saying no to our neighbors. What if all this stuff, the prophet? The nice salaries, whatever the case may be. What if all this stuff that God's given us, what if, what if our profits are to be used for God's glory and not just for our pleasure? Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Talking about like the extra in your check, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Probably not all those dividends you've been making, that's not what I'm talking about because that ain't happening right now, but you know what I'm talking about. 
Is my family on the same page? That we are on mission for God? Do they realize that, that we as a family have something that God has called us to do? I read this from Got Questions. I send you here quite frequently, and, and you can go check it out for yourself, looking up God's will and, and just seeing what it said. He said this. He said, Bible teaches us against two extremes. One is never setting goals and setting goals with no thought of God. So we should make plans, but they should be plans that say, okay, God, is this what you want? Or God, what do you want clearly from me? And he goes on, he says, the balanced alternative is found in James 4.15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So it is good to make plans as long as we leave room for God to change our plans. His goals will always take precedence over ours. I'm just telling you, it's easier if we start off asking for his plans than begin with. It's better that way. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, it says a person's plans or a person's heart plans his way, but the, Lord's, but the Lord determines his steps. Hmm. The very last sentence in Isaiah chapter 60 from the prophet is talking about uh, the future glory of Jerusalem. And he, at the very last sentence in this, he says, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. If you don't realize who's in charge, he's got this. So where is Jesus in my plans? Maybe a better way to think of this is if the Lord wills, we will live here and do this or that. James chapter 4 and verse 17, the last verse says it like this. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I just want to ask you a question, just point blank right now, just face to face as we look at each other in this room. Do you know things from God's will and his words specifically that you are supposed to be doing and you're not doing it? Because if that's you, that's where you got to start. If you know there are things that God has called you to do and it's clearly given in his word and you refuse to do it and you have not done it, it is time to do it. This last verse in, the chapter, in chapter 4 of James is vitally important. If we fly through it and we miss this truth, it's a sin to know what God wants us to do and we don't do it. In a theological term, it's a sin of omission. It's omitting what we know we are supposed to do. Think about it. We are usually so caught up in the sins of, of commission, the sins that we know that we're doing wrong and trying to get those things fixed, that we fail to do what we're supposed to do. So what are we supposed to be doing? Well, we were created for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are we living that relationship with Jesus Christ or are we just living our life? Uh, so we're supposed to be praying and talking to Jesus. We should seek him and we should dig into his word. We should worship him. We should not hold back no matter where it is. We should not hold back. And if we, if we don't like long for intimacy with Jesus through those things of worship and growing and digging into his word, what's really up? We commit the sin of omission when we see and know about a way that we could help and serve somebody and just refuse to because maybe it's inconvenient or it might be costly. I think we're also in a perpetual excuse mode, and in that we sin. 
So there's benefits of actually doing God's will. There's actual, there's rewards for actually doing God's will. It's almost unbelievable. The first one that I see, Mark chapter 3 tells us that the depth of our relationship with Christ is actually going to grow in ways we could never imagine just when we start seeking and start doing his will. The depth, the personal side of Christ in us is going to change bigger than we could ever imagine. John chapter 7 reminds us that God will give us insights and discernment that will blow your mind when we start seeking him. When we start seeking him, we're going to know things that we could have never known before. When we start seeking him, uh, John, uh, uh, John, First John chapter, First uh, John chapter five tells us that you'll get to see prayer answered. I mean, do you like to see prayers that are answered? Do you celebrate when you see prayers answered? How about this? If you're seeking him like that, there's a good chance that you might get to be a part of that answered prayer. Don't ever take you off the table when you're praying for something because because God might use you in that way. I think about 1 John chapter 2. He tells us that eternal joy will just keep increasing even when life is tough. And Matthew 25 reminds us that uh, there's heavenly rewards. There's heavenly rewards just for doing the will of God according to, I don't know, His will. (laughs) There's heavenly rewards for that. So how can we know what God's plan is for us? How can we we actually know this? I want this to be so practical and so easy, so logical for you, that the decisions that you are trying to make this week, you can take these and apply them. Most of these are just straight from the Word. The other ones are things that I have learned that have been so helpful for me in trying to make decisions. And as I was looking back through this week, I'm just telling you, it like messed me up because I realized that I was making some decisions that did not line up with what He had told me, the way He wanted me to make decisions. Because of the way He wants you to make decisions. These are, these are good things to write down, I'm just telling you. It's, it's five or six of them, but they're super quick. I just want you to think about ways we make choices, and this is the end of what we're talking about. I want you to think about it. Ask Jesus what his choice is for you. Just start by praying. James chapter 1 and verse 5 said, If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask. And God gives it generously. He doesn't hold it back. It's not a secret. Ask him. Here's a practical one that I learned when I was in high school. Write down the options. As you're praying, actually write down the options. I take a notebook, like a spiral-bound notebook, and I put two or three columns on it. Sometimes it's a yes or no, or it's a do this or don't do this. Sometimes it's a yes, no, or later, or something else in a third column. Sometimes you need all three. But write down in those columns, and the first one is, I know this is God's will because. Boom, 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 boom. This is a no why. Boom, 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 boom. See how it keeps, it'll probably keep growing there probably on some of them. But on the other one, on God's will, it's just going to be filled up. And there's going to be like one reason not to. And it's so crystal clear that you cannot miss it. And by the time you get that list together, then what do you do? Make a list of why or why not. Why this is good, why this is not good. Well, here's what I have to do, and this is what I find out that works, and this is what works because it's what the Bible gives us. This is what God gives us. 
Look up what the Bible says. And some of you would probably say this. It's okay. I don't know where to find it. Okay? I'll give you some help. Literally, gotquestions.org. That's a great help, I promise. Here's another one. And this is amazing because Google can give you some good information. Ask your question and put, what does the Bible say about this? Like a crazy one. There's people in this room that are talking about getting married. Some of you are engaged. What if, what if we went through this kind of a discerning moment in making that decision? We pray and we ask God about it. And then we write down, this is why I should and this is why this is not right. And then we measure it against God's word. What if, what if in discovering that we discovered that we were unequally yoked? That one was a follower of Christ and one was not a follower of Christ. Well, immediately, according to Scripture, that goes to a no vote on God's behalf. Not Ross's vote, not your vote, on God's behalf, it goes there. Now, here's another one. So ask Jesus about it, write down the options, look up what the Bible says about it. And then the fourth one is this, talk to a strong, mature believer about the decision. This is not the final call, this is just looking for godly advice. Don't look for a yes man or a yes woman. That's not who you're looking for in this. You want somebody who you know seeking Jesus on a daily basis, somebody that won't just probably won't even answer you right then unless it's a, a clear cut. Scriptural. The fifth one. Ask this. Can God be glorified in my choice? Can God be glorified in this choice that I and making and then the last one i love this because this is what comes out in james chapter four in the end of it pray for the lord to intervene if you are making the wrong choice you know jesus even said this father if there's any way this cup can pass for me if i'm not going to have to do if there's any way that doesn't have to happen and you can still be glorified if there's any way that this suffering doesn't have to happen and then he says this. What did he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That needs to be on every prayer that we pray. God, if, if I'm saying this wrong, if I'm asking this wrong, if I'm not doing this right, I want your will to be done. <laughs> I told you I probably spend too much time on Twitter, but I don't know who at Real Talk with Kim is, but uh, man... I needed to hear this. Sometimes God will wreck your plans to save your life. And you know what? In a strange kind of way, I'm saying, God, if you've got something different and I'm missing it, wreck me. Stop me. Do whatever you have to do. Lock the doors on my house so I can't get out if I'm going to do stupid. Help me. What happens when we just obey? I love this story too much, but I literally heard it this morning. Anybody enjoy that Alabama game yesterday? Anybody enjoy that Auburn game yesterday? Neither one of them were good, fun. Nobody got the W. I'd much rather both teams in Alabama get the W. If you followed it at all, 
Auburn's not only had a rough season, but they literally don't have a coach as of this last weekend. An interim was named on Monday, officially. Cadillac Williams, one of the fastest guys that ever ran through Auburn. End zone to end zone. My opinion, he did a really good job coaching a team that was really down. But you know what? There's something unique about Cadillac Cordell Williams. His first thing in life is Jesus Christ. Last night, after a loss on the field, apparently, when he took his team into the locker room, he shared his testimony and shared the gospel with the Auburn football team. I just want you to hear this, what happens when we just be obedient to what the Lord tells us to do. Eight came to Jesus last night. Eight? Eight gave their life to Jesus last night? You talk about a win for the Auburn Tigers? Talk about a win for the kingdom of God? If, if, if Cadillac never coaches another day, if he never sets foot on that campus again, guess what happened? He got the W for the kingdom. You know why? He got it. Today is part of forever. Today is part of forever. It's the same is true for you. you. Some of you and I got business to do in this place right now. I want you to stand right where you are all across this place. It's time for us to respond to a holy, holy, holy God. And here's what you and I have to respond to. First of all, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, as the coach did last night, simply like this. Jesus says we must repent and we must believe. We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone and what he did for us, realizing we could never fix this. We have to have Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ, start there today. I'd love to help you. You may have a godly friend around you, and you know they are, and they would love to help you. I promise you can go right to them right now. The second part in this right here is, is us. It's all of us in this room. For every person who says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, but yet we are denying the very will of God, and we are refusing the will of God, I can't think of a better place to be than on our face before him saying, God, forgive me. This has to change now, at this moment, at this altar, in this place. I will follow you, no matter what it costs. That's the calling on our life. And then you can be used in a great way, even like that man was last night. God, help us. Help us respond to you. Help us to be real with you. Help us to love you enough to let go and let you have our lives. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray.